0: Welcome to the unofficial Unreal Engine podcast, where we talk about all things Unreal Engine and also the future
1: of computing that is spatial. We're your hosts. My name is Alex, and this is Jacob. And you know what? I have to say, that's one of your more more tame openings. Uh, I I, I got to say, I I saw that one coming, Uh, but maybe our our, uh, listeners and viewers did, too. Uh, We got an exciting one today, but before we talk about any of that, make sure you like, rate, comment, subscribe, all those things, wherever you are, wherever you watch, wherever you listen we're back and we're here yeah. to talk about the the greatest thing in vr spatial computing <laughs> not allowed to call it vr jacob mm. you see i'm not under contract so. right <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Next apple very he, mad you could see in a few interviews when someone would use the word vr uh tim cook would get like visibly frustrated or angry <laughs>
1: yeah well i think as everyone knows the uh, Apple Vision Pro came out this last week. I think there's been an enormous amount of press coverage about it. We will attempt to say some some new and unique things here for you guys, but also to put it in perspective of uh, Unreal Engine development, and you know a, a spattering of other hot takes. We'll we'll get into all of that. Maybe before we do that, though, let's talk about uh, um, some some news in the uh, Unreal community, uh, Unreal Fest. Sounds like fun. So our listeners might remember uh,
0: last week uh, or our last episode where I asked Jacob for some predictions on things like Unreal Fest. Uh, Jacob, you you sounded a little bit upset by the idea that we might not uh, be in New Orleans this year.
1: Yeah, I got to say it. Uh, I love New Orleans. That that was uh, a fun place to have a conference. But, uh, you know, drumroll, it's uh, Seattle this year, if you hadn't heard. And yeah. you know what? I I I was telling Alex and Seattle's not my top choice because I <laughs> I, I have to be in Seattle a few times this year anyways for less fun uh, reasons. And you know what? I I didn't feel like this was uh, my top choice, but hey, you know, we'll we'll give it a shot, I guess.
0: Yeah. It'll be uh, September 30th to October 3rd. Uh, you can sign up for updates, but there's nothing in terms of like a proposal of, of an event or a talk or anything like that. However, uh, the two that are listed above Seattle right now are Unreal Fest Gold Coast, which also happened last year, and Unreal Fest Prague for the European Unreal Fest event. Uh, Gold Coast will be May 29th to May 30th, uh, and the call submissions are open for that through now through March 18th, and Unreal Fest Prague will be June 18th to June 20th, 2024, and submissions for that are being accepted through February 29th.
1: Yeah, I gotta say, these two events, I think, are, are really cool. Um, Prague, I, I've never been to Prague. Seems awesome. Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, to our friends in Australia, Gold Coast, uh, I've heard is beautiful. But uh, are, are you going to go to either of those, Alex? I would love to. Um, the truth is that it's
0: a, a bit of an expensive bit of travel. So um, if I am asked by Epic to go give a talk at either of those, almost uh, definitely yes, because that would mean they would cover my flight. But if it's just um, submitting the talk and getting approved, all that does is cover your registration. And I think maybe the hotel, uh, but you would still need to find your way over to Australia or Prague. So uh, maybe not if if it's that, but I certainly will do the Seattle one. Um, we've got a couple more as well. But, yeah, Jacob, do you think you might make your way to
1: either of these? Uh, I, You know, honestly, I, I am considering it. Um, yeah, the, the flights to Australia are just brutal. Um, that's that's the biggest thing holding me back. But Prague, I think, would be pretty interesting. I, you know, it's just uh, Seattle doesn't, doesn't get me excited for Seattle. I'm always excited for Unreal Fest, so it's a great time. Uh, Seattle doesn't get um, me excited to go to Seattle. uh You know, last time I was there, I spent the majority of a day trying to just, you know, just walk around Seattle and I never once saw the Space Needle. So I, I'm convinced <laughs> the Oaks doesn't exist. um I assumed it was like the tallest thing in Seattle that you'd be able yeah, to actually it's... see it like from everywhere. now Yeah. So, like, you know, you go to New York, you, you there are lines of sight to, like, Empire State Building and the Chrysler Building. You walk around, you, you can't not see it, you know? And that's not that tall. Uh, but no, uh, the Space Needle, I I did not see it in my three hours of walking around downtown Seattle. I felt was just kind of odd. Yeah. So a bit of a counterpoint to Jacob's perspective.
0: I am excited for it to be in Seattle, mainly because I have never been to Seattle. I have almost gone to Seattle, uh, five or six different times in my life, including when I lived in Portland, Oregon for an entire month. And every weekend it was like, let's go to Seattle. Let's go to Seattle. And It never actually happened. So, um, you know, I want to know what all the fuss is about. Uh, some people I know really love Seattle and I've got a lot of friends out there who I've never visited before. So, uh, I at least want to see it once. (laughs)
1: All right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. It's, It's not a party but uh <laughs> that's all right that's all right we'll we'll give it a shot i guess yeah um and
0: we've got a few more for this year going over to asia we've got unreal fest seoul unreal fest shanghai unreal fest tokyo yeah, so was three, three was different spots across sorry lots of
1: events this year right gonna... yeah
0: and i was about to say yeah. three events across asia but um then yeah i mean australia is also on that side of the world so it would be very like i almost wish the events were closer together because it would be very cool to be able to go like you know up up from the gold coast up into yeah. uh <laughs> korea and japan and uh and all that that would be really cool but they are just spread enough apart that i don't think that would be a reasonable thing to do
1: yeah yep i man i i still need to get to japan but a one-day event doesn't quite justify it i, I don't think <laughs> yeah yeah, one day, November 2nd, um,
0: man. All right, and one other bit of news we have this week. Um, Jacob, what's new and exciting with the Unreal GitHub?
1: Well, uh, Unreal Engine main branch is now in 5.5, so man. we're we're moving on. We've, we've officially passed the 5.4 release point, which means it's being at least... Prepped for you know broader release. And, uh, I like the latest uh, uh, push here.
0: Yet another fix for a fix of hair view offset. Arg from three hours ago in the wow, five. That's, that's <laughs> a good catch.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, intuition says that uh, this release finalized right in time for GDC uh, next month. We'll see uh what ends up happening but it does seem like we're we're moving on with 5.4 i'm hoping we get the roadmap soon and of course we'll have an episode uh, digesting that um but uh yeah i think it's it's exciting to to keep moving forward i who knows what will come L- last time we had a release the features you know just kept rolling on and on so we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah Is there cool we're looking forward to in this release
0: Um, You know, I have not been paying close enough attention. Uh, I mean, I guess it's worth saying the thing in 5.4 I'm most excited for is uh, Epic's official announcements via Victor Broden in the forums that uh, 5.4 is targeting experimental support for Apple Vision Pro, at least on the immersive side. And for those who don't know, with the Apple Vision Pro, you can have a full VR experience, Um, You can have a windowed experience like most of the apps now. And like if you bring up iPad apps in here and then also you can do a volume, which is intended to be like nice little um, individual things. Like you've got a spinning USDZ object or you've got uh, in the case of something like um, Wisp by the company Liquid City, they have like a nice little 3D interactive plant with some AI capabilities and you can kind of like put that wherever you want in your space and be running other apps while that's going on. So honestly, the volumetric, um, the volumes one is probably the most interesting use case in Vision Pro for me. And it'll probably be a while before that's officially supported by Unreal. Um, I think it makes sense to start with just full immersive VR. Uh, That seems like the most straightforward path. But for me, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about the Vision Pro in this episode. But for me, one of the killer um, parts of this is all the multitasking, the productivity opportunities of having lots of different things spread out. And as soon as you go into an immersive mode, it pushes away everything else and you can only have that one experience running. So that does feel like as long as that's the only thing you can do with Unreal Engine, it won't be taking full advantage of what ma- makes this headset special compared to the competition.
1: Yeah, I was seeing a lot of really interesting um, examples of that, that volume, like the volume. Um, Volumes, yeah. That you're talking about, like chessboards, and uh, I guess a bunch of prototypes for things exactly. that people thought up, but maybe not shipped yet my understanding is that at at this moment the device has around 600 published apps uh specific for Apple Vision Pro they say that it doesn't feel like 600 <laughs> yeah uh, and that's kind of what i've heard is that um and this is just early days on on this platform of course um but there is something to be said about the approach they took um to release this Given that you know, at at this point in time, the the most you know viable way for you to develop for this platform is a license that costs what what is it twenty two hundred dollars? You mean in Unity? Yes.
0: Yeah, for Unity
1: Pro. Yep, pretty expensive. Yeah, so you you need a thirty five hundred dollar development device most likely. Uh, You can I guess uh, visualize it without it, and you need a twenty two hundred dollar software license. That's Mm -hmm. gonna Obviously, prevent a lot of content from reaching the store. That said, you know, maybe that's part of the idea here is to get quote unquote serious developers on the platform first, uh, making more complete content. I don't know how their filtering, their app filtering, uh, like policy is going to work right now. Uh, Obviously, Meta has taken a pretty hard line approach to that on the Quest devices in the past, making sure that. The, the vast majority of apps either aren't reviewed or published. Um, maybe Apple is just kind of you know, trying to find their own way to get serious developers on the platform. And, yeah. You
0: know. One of the most notable things too is how many app developers opted out. Like you literally needed to specifically say if you did not want your iPad app, for example, available um, in Apple Vision Pro and some major players like Netflix and Spotify and YouTube... We're like no uh also everything google related, no gmail, yeah, no gmail, no YouTube, no Google Drive, no Chrome, um which is one of the reasons why I can't uh easily show my persona right now, which is the the Apple vision pro avatar, uh since we don't yet have the ability to run uh the light twist studio in anything other than Chrome, so you know that I think that's really interesting because there's things like. The Amazon Prime app, which works totally fine, um, but, you know, it'll crash sometimes. And it's like, oh, I guess there's some little bit of code in there that needs to be changed um, to run better in Vision Pro. But, you know, as far as I can tell, it's functionally almost identical to like the HBO Max app. Like HBO actually had like a press release of like, we're coming to Apple Vision Pro. And it's it looks exactly like the regular HBO Max app, except for the fact that you don't get any letterboxing. And they added like a Game of Thrones immersive environment that kind of hurts my eyes if I try to watch something in it because the way they position the screen uh, feels like there should be other things in front of the screen. So there's like a depth mismatch. Um, but, you know, I think the only company that's really done it well as a third party app release is Disney so far because Disney at least went out of their way to do like a separate category of 3D movies and 3D movies look fantastic in here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it it's no surprise that Apple went after Disney for... You know, collaboration here, given the history. I um, mean, also, I think Disney's, uh, you know, I- investment in this kind of uh, technology makes a lot of sense. Um, the fact that they would wait, like, I mean, I don't ever remember them being particularly involved in other VR platforms. Obviously, we saw a lot with, you know, on on the, you know, behind the scenes with. VR headsets like Vive and stuff like that for production. Um, very little consumer-facing, you know, Disney VR content, as far as I'm aware. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it seems like this was uh, probably a bigger step than I was being credited for, given that, you know, if Disney really wants to put their weight behind something when it comes to intellectual property and content, you know, that that's a big deal. So yeah. yeah, I think this is cool. I, I think, and and I saw the you know the different in, environments, the the uh, you know like uh, vendors Tower and stuff like that. Like that's legitimately cool. I think um, it's something only really Disney can provide.
0: Yeah, really quick though, something that Disney kind of abandoned but had going for a while was uh, sort of a one stop shop. Uh, I believe it was just the desktop experience. There was like a Disney immersive download you could get for desktop VR and they had uh, this really cool kind of combination of Star Wars over here, Marvel over here, typical classic Disney stuff over here and you saw all those environments and then you could jump between um, different things like a 360 video from Rogue One and a slow motion, you know, Iron Man Avengers um, thing and a 3D thing from a Encanto or whatever and that was all mixed together as part of one app. And uh, there was a ton of stuff in there that said coming soon. And then eventually they just removed the app from um, I I can't remember if it was in Steam or the Oculus Store or both, but it looked promising. And then they were like, ah, never mind. (laughs) Yeah, they gave it a shot. Yeah, they were like, we we put some weight behind this (laughs) Um, and to roll out a little bit of what Jacob was just saying about Avengers Tower. So for anyone who doesn't know. Um, one of the big draws of the Apple Vision Pro are some of the immersive environments. Now, out of the box, you get you know Yosemite and Mount Hood and, and some really beautiful ones. But then anyone who is also releasing an app, they can create immersive environments as well. So I mentioned HBO has the, uh, the throne room from Game of Thrones with the Iron Throne. And then, yes, Disney has a few... Um, a Tatooine one, an Avengers one, and I think a couple more. And so the idea is that you can go into those immersive environments and you know watch a movie or, or keep being productive or whatever. Um, now, actually, that's the problem. The native environments that come with the Vision OS, you can kind of do whatever you want in those. But the other ones that are are in particular apps... They're very gated to only work within their particular apps, which seems like it's a, a shame. I would like to just be able to add
1: all of those to my my library of environments, but can't do that yet. I mean, it makes sense though, right? That like Disney only wants you to watch Disney movies at Avengers Tower. Um, but yes, I that,
0: yeah. That I mean,
1: interesting nuance.
0: Yes, but I'm ninety percent sure this is an Apple decision and not like a app by app decision.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe.
0: Well, okay. Um, okay.
1: Let, let's like take this back. Yeah. Kind of uh, start start at the <laughs> beginning here, right? Um. And, and for those who aren't watching the video, by the way, Alex has been wearing the Apple Vision Pro this entire time. <laughs>
0: uh, Surprise!
1: So I don't know if we actually said that out loud, but yeah. <laughs> no, did <that's laughs> yeah, no Like, let's take it back. Like, give me give me a play by play of you know some of the. The things you're really looking forward to with this device I, obviously having tried it in the past but the things you're looking forward to receiving it and kind of getting your first few hours at home or wherever with the device
0: yeah um i'll talk for a moment but i think the easiest thing to do will really just be to show you so i'll start mirroring uh my actual view in a moment but um i i got the device i had meetings in new york city all day friday it arrived at my home my my wife sent me a picture of like hey this just came for you and it's like oh god i want to get home and try it out and uh we went to a play that night so i really didn't get to try it in in a meaningful way until around 10 p.m Um, but then of course i was up till like 3 a.m messing around with it um got it out of the box it comes with this vestigial organ of a of a battery pack um i also ordered an extra battery pack in anticipation of the Two and a half to three hours um, anticipated battery life not being enough, which was true. And uh, I opened it up and there's like a little instruction manual that I was surprised by because Apple doesn't usually have any kind of instruction manual. Nothing useful in there for me. It's clearly directed to people who have never put on a VR headset before. Um, But I put on the device, plugged in the battery pack. There's like a locking mechanism here, which is quite nice. So you don't accidentally unplug it. Something I wish meta devices had because it's just a direct... USB-C connection and it's really easy to unplug that by accident Um, and then once you lock it in you you know press the there's two buttons on top the left one is for photos and video which i pretty much never use because i'd rather do that for my iphone and then the right one is um kind of your home button and then it's also a crown kind of like an apple watch so you press that it turns on um the startup screen was kind of disappointing because It stays black for too long, so you're like, is something wrong? Is it actually turning on? Is the connection good? And then it just shows the white Apple logo on a black background and then goes into pass-through mode. Um, And then there was no introduction. Like, something I think Meta's done a pretty good job with is all the VR headsets, the first time you start it up, there's like a bit of a tutorial, and you can skip the tutorial if you want, but they're trying to kind of set the tone and welcome you into being in VR for the first time, and nothing like that for the Apple Vision Pro. You just suddenly see your home menu, and I think that's maybe intended to be a bit of a flex because it's kind of like, you know, how iPads work and like, they're just kind of hoping that it'll yeah. seem very intuitive to you. Um, because then, yeah, the whole, the whole input modality here is, is quite different from what's been used in the past. Uh, you know, I've done headsets like the MetaQuest pro with eye tracking and hand tracking, but here your eyes are intended to be your cursor. So wherever you're looking, that's going to be kind of where your, you know, so, mouse pointer, so to speak is, and then you're going to click to do a, uh, With your, sorry, you're gonna my my screen just froze for a second, which distracted me. And then, if you want to click, you're going to pinch your fingers together, and uh, and you can do that for activating something. But what you're going to do far more with that is doing things like moving windows around, which I'll show you in a moment, as well as scaling things up and down. And it's very intuitive, like the same way I remember using like an iPod touch for the first time or a, the second or third generation of an iPhone that a friend was showing me, you catch on very quickly to how it works. And I'm already feeling that way very much with this whole interface. Um, yeah, this I expected, is, is,
1: yeah. One second real quick before you move on from that. Yeah. It's pretty interesting the the comment about there not being a startup. I It makes me wonder if there was something in the works that maybe just didn't quite make it, and that's why they publish all the videos. Like, it, it is a bit... Apple doesn't usually publish videos like they did for this device. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if there there maybe was yeah. some... Because, you know, you you start any other Apple device, it walks you through, like, would you like to set up this? Would you like to set up that? And you're saying there was none of that. None of that. Yeah. Yeah. See that? That's <laughs> yeah and
0: then you see some of the apps that are pre-installed and then there's a a category for compatible apps which is where you can go you know for apps that are just going to work on here even though they're designed for ipad and in the app store things are also segregated by apple vision pro apps and ipad apps and yeah they're saying they're launching with like 600 i mean honestly for me maybe 20 of them are actually useful i'm you know and i'm sure there's other ones out there i just don't know about But um, a lot of it still feels kind of gimmicky. Like, I, what I was hoping for is I thought I'd go in here and I thought I'd see some immersive content. I mentioned volumes and, you know, VR stuff that was really going to blow me away and feel better than, like, anything I'd ever done in a meta headset or a Vive headset. And the closest I got to that happening was maybe with the um, engage with dinosaurs experience. Like, every VR headset needs to have some kind of interacting with dinosaurs experience. And this one's definitely the sharpest and most... Uh, presence-inducing version of that I've seen. It was directed by John Favreau and all that fun stuff. But it's like a two-minute experience, and I've done it once, and I've shown it to my kids, and, you know, I'm probably only going to ever open it again for demos. Um, what I n- was not expecting was that the killer app for this would be the most boring thing in the world, which is just a bunch of floating windows around me that are rock-steady, super stable. I can make them whatever size I want, and I can actually get something done. Like I can actually have this headset on and be very productive, which has not been true with any other headset I've ever yeah, worn
1: before. It's, it's safari, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's pretty telling. Yeah. I, I think that, um, so I, I did get to try an Activision Pro. I don't, I didn't buy one. You did. <laughs> uh, I didn't buy one. Uh, as we spoke about in the last episode, couldn't, couldn't quite piece it together, but I did. I showed up to uh, our office uh, uh, for, for him and I work for uh, on uh, why on uh, yesterday. Um, <laughs> and I went over to like the IT desk cause I was like, someone here has someone here has one. And lo and behold in the corner, uh, one of our, our, our IT people had the Apple vision pro on and was like taking a call and had slack open and all this other stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I, I gotta try that man so uh, initially i just had hands on um you know i tried it on tried to fit it to myself and we can get to like physical impressions maybe a little later but later on i did get to try it um and when i put it on you know it, it had me do the hands thing it had it, it did the automatic ipd adjustment which was really pretty incredible honestly yeah um, the ipd adjustment the like ease of use with just how, how it as you center the device. I think we spoke about that uh, previously as well. But um, I was, like, by far the most incredible thing about this entire experience that I had was just moving, scaling, and placing windows it and how hard. quick and intuitive the gesture system was where it did not feel like I had to consciously, like, move my fingers or anything to select something and, and interact that yeah. that was the most incredible piece of this because so many devices have tried this sort of thing you know scaling windows moving windows. i remember like or the early days of most like big screen apps on like vive for example where you would just sit there with your two controllers like adjusting it and, and you know you'd be holding the triggers scaling it and trying to move it just right so that it's like Parallel with you, and and so that's the right scale. You can never quite get it right because things were always blurry on the edges and all this, all that. It's just such a different experience. Um, so many devices have have tried to get this right, and I think by far the most impressive part of, of the experience for me was just how quickly I could I could use the device and feel like I was actually using it effortlessly. Like I didn't have to think through it all the time. And that was, that was pretty special.
0: Yeah. That's what we've been chasing with VR for so long is just how do you reduce the friction and make this feel like just a natural thing that you would do anyway. And uh, I think Apple as a first gen product has really hit the nail on the head here. There's obviously a thousand things I'd like to improve and see better in the next generations, but uh, this is really good out of the gate. My biggest fear was that this was going to feel like something that Apple had spent way too much time and money on. And, you know, they were trying to go off metaverse hype and then it's a little bit too late, but they still feel like they need to release it. And then they're kind of hoping to release the product and then, you know, push it into the corner and and tell it to die. Um, But that doesn't feel like what's going on. It feels like Apple's actually taking this very seriously and they actually are creating a new product line here that by all accounts, they're going to continue to improve and support Uh, for the foreseeable future.
1: So it seems like they really almost hit the nail on the head, at least from my initial experience on the software. And most of the reviews I'm seeing actually more or less say, say similar things, you know, it's nitpicks about, Hey, I wish I had a second second screen or, you know, I wish there was some more content or anything like that. But the the vast majority of complaints I were seeing were, around the physical hardware and limitations. And so for them to get the software experience right, I, I think for Apple, the, you know, the refinement of, of the hardware uh, is something they're they're experts at. So I, I have a lot of confidence to your point about, you know, creating a, a long-term product out of this. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, should I go ahead and share my screen? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. So I'll give a little tour of what I'm seeing right now. Um, So I'm going up into my control panel on my MacBook Pro. I'm clicking on screen mirroring. And oh, actually, before I do this, I'm going to start sharing my whole screen because once I start doing this, I won't have like any computer anymore Mm -hmm. until I stop. So we're going to go and uh, share my whole screen. So you'll see the studio for a moment. Fun little behind the scenes kind of thing. Uh, Stop share. Yeah. And um, Jacob, since I won't see what's going on, um, as I start to show my persona, definitely come back to the the main view so we can see the difference between what I'm actually doing and yep. um, what uh, the persona is doing. All right. So you can see my desktop. There's our little light twist window um, for the studio. And I'm going now to my control panel. I'm doing screen mirroring and I want to send Actually, sorry. This would be if I want to send my desktop to my Apple Vision Pro, which is already happening. I'm going in the reverse, so I'm going to my control panel in my Apple Vision Pro. I'm looking straight up, control panel, and now I'm, Brett, I'm broadcasting this to my MacBook. Okay, all right. So, Daniel, can you see things? We can see it. Yep. <laughs> okay, great. So, yeah, there's my control center. There's like the airplane mode and all that stuff, and uh, obviously, this is what my computer is doing. So, I've got this fun. Mirror effect right now, so I'll move that out of the way. That's my MacBook Pro. Um, and then I've got my actual monitor, which I literally have not used since um I, I've started this. Where so I've got my two monitors here, my MacBook Pro, and then my my TV screen that I also use for a monitor. But then I've got my digital monitors. I've got Slack over here, I've got some uh photos over here, I've got you know Zoom pulled up or Zoom Slack, same thing, not Zoom, not Slack. Boy, um, uh, Twitter, Twitter, that's what this is. And uh, this is where I usually mirror my uh, phone if I've got that running. And, you know, if I want to open something else, um, I can just either press the home button on the crown here. And there's kind of the main menu. And here's what I mentioned about compatible apps. Those are all hanging out here
1: as different yeah, apps. So I heard that yeah. there were a, a good number of apps actually in this in this compatible apps category that opted out like Spotify, yeah. Uh, a few others, Netflix, and what was the other? Uh, YouTube, or... all of the Google ones. YouTube, yeah. What's your yeah. What's your take on that?
0: Um, I think that on the one hand, they feel like there's no point because it's not going to uh, substantially increase their revenue. There's just not enough people. Uh, Netflix was, of course, very very much mocked for their uh, VR app, um, and it also might just be a little bit of an FU, like a middle finger to Apple, because. Everyone's really upset with Apple right now about their App Store policies and how hard it is to actually make a profit there. So, you know, I think Apple likes to take the the position that our App Store is an amazing club and everyone should come to our club because it's the hottest club in town. And I think a lot of the apps are like, well, the club is cool because I'm there. And if I'm not there, maybe people won't be as excited about going there and I think there's a little bit of that happening where people are like, boy, the Apple vision pro sure is great. It would be a lot better if there was a Netflix app, a
1: YouTube app, et cetera, et cetera. Yep.
0: And I think it draws attention to, you know, how important the apps are to making these products work well.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, you know, we, we've had a number of conversations about the drama around the app marketplaces and that that's continued to happen. So hopefully we can get that worked out. Like I, man, I, I want Spotify, you know, that's, Seems like an obvious, uh, obvious inclusion here. Anyways, let's let's continue with the tour here.
0: Spotify might hate Apple more than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's my guess. Um, the the CEO has been like very vocal about uh, the things that bother him. So obviously, like I can. Here's the thing too about input modality. So I have a few different ways I can go about things. So I can pinch and like drag and click things this way. Like I'll pull up um Wisp World uh, made by Liquid City. So my little volumetric uh, house plant. It's gonna hang out right over here alongside all my my other apps. Um interestingly, the audio plays from my MacBook and um not from the headset, just is kind interesting.
1: Interesting, yeah. Good
0: boy, it's very loud too. So I'm actually gonna close this in a second because it's very loud. But yes, it's cool plant. And I can talk to it if I wanted to.
1: Um the keyboard starts down
0: here. But it says yeah, that oh there so- you go.
1: Yeah. So Alex just pulled up this keyboard, um, and it's worth a comment on this first. It's an abomination of a keyboard layout. Um, for the keyboard nerds out there, this is wild. But it makes sense. They're trying to pack it all in, so you can pinch around it. Have you found this to be uh, uh, effective uh, in your in your testing? Nope.
0: I almost never use the keyboard here. Um, But here's the thing. So it just took me a long time to tell the little AI here, yes, I can see you. It says, that's relief. Sometimes we forget that not everyone can perceive me. It's a rather unusual experience, isn't it? So then here's another input I could do. I could click on here and I could use the mic and I could say, yes, that's an unusual input. You're right. Or whatever. (laughs) And so that's obviously easier. But then the other thing I could do is talkie talkie i'm glad you can see me tell me dear human what is it like in the place you call home so another thing i could do is i can do tap to type and then i can actually use my macbook keyboard and that's gonna be that's gonna feel much better so i can say Whoop. although it's kind of inconsistent with when it works and when it doesn't yeah like right now it's actually not working um, but i'll show you another place where i can use the macbook keyboard and that works really well um and then the last thing you can do of course is um Uh, Use a a mouse as well to kind of navigate around if you don't want to be using um, the pinch gesture in your eyes all the time. Because I do find that my eyes feel pretty fatigued after doing this for too long. So the idea of actually just using a regular cursor, like um, if I go over to my um, photos, yeah, see, sometimes I need to actually like look at my MacBook again to get my mouse back. And then if I start to pull the mouse to the side, I should actually see a mouse. Here we go. Like I've got a mouse um, over on Twitter right now using the touchpad here which is a little bit interesting but it's it's nice to have all these different input modalities it's a little bit inconsistent with um how how well they're switching between each other because sometimes I will be yeah. trying to use the, the touchpad and I'll accidentally bring my fingers too close together and that will register as a click if that makes
1: sense yeah i i have to say the some of the most, one of the most confusing parts of this for me is the macbook integration um or just mac integration Um, There's been a lot of, you know, uh, various uh, and and different uh, pieces of information on exactly what you're getting out of the box. We know it's one screen. The resolution is supposedly 4K, but there's a different, uh, like, uh, logical resolution. Uh, What's been your experience and, and, like, have you found it really useful in, in your day to day?
0: Yeah, I, I am blown away by how much it never feels like I'm wearing a VR headset. Like the pass-through is 90% of the way there. It could be a little bit better, but it kind of fades into the background because I'm mostly looking at screens. And for the screens, there's no screen door effect at all. It's super, super sharp. Um, I, I don't see any pixels and I, I can make them as big as I want. And uh, it's great. I love being able to kind of prioritize how much information is on something by how big I need to make it. Um, and then at any given point, for a lot of these things, I can also go immersive as well. So um, for anyone not watching, um, I was also just demonstrating using spatial video from um, my photos, and you know, for me, these look very three dimensional, and I can either like drag them around or you know, put them in around my space like a little art gallery, or I can go into this immersive mode where it kind of takes what's at the edges of the pixels and um, then kind of brings that out further. So it really does feel almost like this minority report esque uh floating hologram. I also yeah. just turned down the real world. So now I'm kind of in this Yosemite snow environment.
1: Yeah. And what's pretty interesting to me about this is and and also the experience I had um using it shortly um is the amount of transparency they use in this UI. You know most mm-hmm. most VR applications and you know designers would tell you hey you have to minimize transparency you know, the rendering costs, all this, and, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I I think some um, mixed reality devices, like I'm thinking about the HoloLens devices, for example, they get transparency just because uh, the, you know, the displays are transparent. Um, And so it's just kind of a visual look that a lot of people are used to with MR devices. With this, though, I, I remember, for example, I had like a a warning window up that on like a MacBook would be like a semi-transparent. I guess you'd call it like a a a, a, a smoked glass effect. Sure, uh, right. And the it 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 kind of struck me immediately how interesting it was just to see that and the the background being properly updated and and having the transparency. I think really like. Uh, builds the experiences into your space in such an interesting way um, where you like, like to your point you still feel like you're in your space but the the space almost f- fades into the background because the screens feel so much like a part of it um, yeah feel like they're actually they're actually there in the space with you uh, with subtle things like the transparency and this light bleeding effect and stuff like that
0: yeah. And the number of times I have taken off the headset and a part of my brain was surprised that I couldn't still see what I was just looking at a second go. Uh, you know, it's going to take a while to get used to that. It, it really does trick your brain into just thinking this is part of your environment, um, especially if you're in, you know, the more like, here's my office and here's the screens floating around. Yeah. Um, you know, we're so used to the idea that we have screens that are perpetually showing certain kinds of content. And I'm still getting used to the idea that they can disappear when I turn them off. <laughs>
1: yeah. The spatial anchoring is really, really impressive. It's solid. Yeah, I can walk all around my house and come back and they're all,
0: they'll all still be here. But there's no persistence. It does not stay there if you turn off the device and turn it back on. Oh, okay. Shame. Yeah, I'm sure that's coming, but it is um, unfortunate that it's not there yet. Yeah,
1: then, um, I, I, I we, we were chatting about... Um, a few things in in our office. Um, and one of the things that we do, I, I work in infrastructure is, you know, we, we have graphs and monitoring up all the time to make sure things are working, um, for, for the nerds out there, things like Grafana, uh, so what? lots of monitoring and dashboards and, and graphs, you know, that helps us monitor the infrastructure. And we were joking about, well, Hey, it'd be actually, it would be pretty cool to have, you know, monitors all over the walls so that you can kind of feel like you're in our, you know, situation room, you know, at at, at any point. (laughs) And someone was making a joke that, you know, maybe if they go to the bathroom, they would leave a a dashboard on the wall so that (laughs) they could make sure everything was still working uh which inevitably led to the 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 joke that hey why is he going to the bathroom so often well uh you know the dashboard's in there
0: <laughs> right yeah <laughs> uh
1: so i i think i i'm really curious i i i was surprised i'm surprised to hear that it's not persistent honestly um, I yeah that has the, to be coming i don't see why it couldn't be um
0: yeah. But and even just like, first of all, the reason it doesn't bother me too much is because it's pretty easy to set up your space. Um, I can, you know, start the app fresh and have all my windows up for, you know, I'm, I'm watching some uh, Apple TV right now and I've got my Chromebook or my Chromebook, my MacBook monitor here and Slack over here and Twitter over here. I can do all that in probably under a minute. Um, but, you know, if I wanted to have more of like a photo gallery, if I actually wanted to put a bunch of videos and 3D models and everything around my space. I, I'm not going to bother doing that if I, it's not going to still be there the next time I boot the app. So I do keep it pretty light and simple. Um, and one thing I've definitely noticed is you're familiar with the idea of like memory palaces, mind palaces, that yep. whole thing, Jacob? Yeah, so there's a lot of that going on here too, where because my screens have been in so many different places around the house over the weekend, um, I feel like I have very strong memories of where I was when particular things happened like uh, the example i was giving on twitter was um i had a moment when i finally got the unreal engine um vr template running in the vision pro simulator spoiler alert not yet in the headset but when i had all that working exactly the way i wanted it to um i have a very strong memory of like i had you know mr and mrs smith on amazon prime and that was floating above the dog food and i had slack floating above my uh, sink, and I had my monitor floating over the toaster, all in the kitchen. And because I have all that kind of spatial mnemonicness um, embedded in my memory, I feel like I'll remember that moment more than I would if that had all just happened in my office, where all these screens are always arranged exactly the same way. There's a repetitiveness to that, which I think can, you know, cause memories to be more easily
1: forgotten. That That's interesting. So. I-, I wonder if uh, anyone's going to build a flashcard app for that exactly exact reason where you can leave right. yourself, uh, you know, like a, a flashcard anywhere in your space for studying or memorizing information, uh, yeah. to that point. Yeah. Cause that's very interesting. That's an interesting side effect.
0: Yeah. Boy, I wish I could change the Hi. volume of
1: all this. Actually,
0: you know what? This Maybe I Jessica. can hold on volume down. There we go. I can change the volume. So when you turn the crown, there's two options right now. One for the environment, and one for um, volume. And, uh, oh, can I still hear you, Jacob? Yep, yep. Okay, great, yeah, so it is literally just uh, affecting the volume of the Vision Pro. Um, also, the hand occlusion's great, by the way, we haven't really mentioned that yet, but it's very impressive how well I'm able to, like, move my hands around, and it's my entire arm um, that starts to, you know, uh, occlude the physical environment. Now, what's funny is if you have something like, you know, if you're trying to look at your phone, your phone I, i've got my phone in my hand right now it, it's <laughs> visible right like i can't look at my phone through the headset uh, i have to funny. actually like take it off and look in there or mirror it um same thing happened when i was trying out uh playstation remote or mirror play um as well as uh steam link steam link does not work well by the way it was so weird to be like holding a game controller um actually i've got one right over here so like holding a game controller and doing all these things but not really being able to see yeah wow controller.
1: It looks like green screened out, yeah. It, exactly. It's funny, it, that has to be coming as well, I'd imagine, for specific objects like, uh, you know, if you have your iPhone, I'm sure they want you to be able to, you know, pick it up. Uh, no, maybe not. Maybe they want you to leave that behind, but it um, seems totally possible if you can uh, detect hands to detect a phone, Yeah, so maybe that will sure. be coming in the future. Exactly.
0: Um, want to take th- another...
1: Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say one of the one of the apps in, on this that I, I actually am very interested in trying is the keynote app. Mm-hmm, sure. For the reason yeah, I that I actually think it would be pretty compelling to be able to take a presentation you, you, you know you're working on and you know put yourself in a virtual environment you know like a a conference room and you know practice giving a speech for example. Um, yeah, that kind of thing I I think could be very interesting and I'm sure we'll see plenty of public speaking apps, uh, in the future, but, um, integration with keynote itself. And I assume PowerPoint, uh, will get here, uh, if it's not already, um, for similar reasons, like, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I, I, like, I would find that very helpful.
0: Yeah. And the way I would uh, try to structure my presentations if keynote doesn't already allow this is to actually position uh, slides around my house or my office, again, to kind of add this additional spatial memory of where those particular slides are. And then also having more of a sequence, because the worst mistake I make sometimes when I'm giving a a presentation is the slide that I think is about to come up isn't the slide that comes up. So I'm preparing to talk about that next slide. And then I have to like quickly change tactics because that wasn't correct if I actually laid out my my um, slides in the order that like I walk through my house or my office, I think that would be much more embedded in my memory. So if Keynote doesn't do that, I'll do it manually by uploading all the slides individually to iCloud and pulling them all out through the photos and positioning them that way.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So what are we looking uh, at here, Alex?
0: So this is Apple TV. Now, something interesting, so both the Disney Plus... And the uh, HBO Max app let you download videos, and for some reason Apple TV doesn't. Um, and this is where there is the most um, integration with these immersive environments. So if I were to watch like the trailer for Mad Max, by the way, if I were to actually try to play Mad Max, um, you would not be able to see it. It would do like a, an immediate DRM thing. But if I just do the trailer, um, you can, which is is nice. And so. There's that. And so obviously, you know, I can just kind of like move it around my space uh, wherever I want. But if you're going through Apple TV, you have this little environment option, which says you can do it in like a cinema if you want to. But I can also say I want it to be, you know, kind of this 150 foot screen, very specific to this environment. And that's cool. Now, this is just floating up in space. But if I go ahead and I change my um, environment to something like Mount Hood... And then I do the same thing where I go to the corner and I say, I want it to be maybe in the dark here. So check out this it's reflecting over the water and it looks gorgeous. This
1: is like the best drive-in movie theater in the world. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. And I, I, (laughs) it's such a simple effect too, right? It is. It's just standard planar reflections, but man, does that look good?
0: Yeah, it looks great. It's a lot actually like what uh, Vikas and everyone at Light Twist is doing with our desk over here. And what's also very cool is um, if I actually kind of dial out of the, um, the mode here, it's a little hard to see, but the light from the, the movie I'm watching will actually uh, affect my space. Um, I was watching a little bit of Into the Spider-Verse the other day and, and during the beginning sequence where there's like tons of glitching and all these different colors, I noticed that as I looked around my room, I actually saw those colors like, you know, re- reflecting off the wall. So it's these like subtle little things that just add this extra sense of immersion um, yeah, in your space. And
1: like, how this. do you think they they do that, Alex? Do you think they are they have a like a, a mesh of um, your room that they're projecting on yeah, I think there's a very robust
0: um, spatial mapping of the room, which again would imply that it like two things that I'm surprised they don't have. One is persistence. One is um, optional occlusion. So like if I walk around my house, I will see all these windows exactly where they are. But because of the fact that I know there's a mesh of my room, I wish I could turn on the option to actually have like my door frame, you know, and, and other walls and whatnot occlude these objects so they feel more like they exist in the actual space right now. Yeah. I'm at the times I'm most aware that these windows aren't real is when uh, something should clearly be occluding them and they aren't like my hands do. That's fantastic. But if I were to move this, actually I can just demonstrate this really quickly. Um, if I were to move this like behind the wall here, it actually does do this kind of fade out thing. Um, but then as soon as I let go, it's, it's back to being uh, fully, fully, in view, even though I know that spatially this should be behind the wall and I shouldn't actually be able to see it anymore. So I understand why this would be on by default because you don't want people losing windows. But I would like the ability to turn on occlusion. I'm sure that's coming too. I do.
1: Yeah. Can... Or, or you know, we've seen in the past uh, specific um, support for things like doors and windows and, and yeah, typical kind of household stuff, which is which are easy to detect. But exactly, yeah. I, I wonder how they're exposing those things to developers, though. The right the ability to reproject onto the space. Like, how do you include that in an application if you want? And
0: yeah yeah it it sounds like some things are not being made available to developers yet. like I talked a little bit with um one of the guys from hBO um talking about like the throne room and whatnot, and it sounds like this effect, for example, that I'm getting here in Joshua Tree, where if you look at the rocks right under the screen, you can see the light projecting out. Um, you can't do that, I guess as an app developer yet. um this kind of like light estimation effect. Um, so hopefully that's coming soon, but it, yeah. it just helps so much with the sense that like, I'm actually
1: in a different place right now. It sells it a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause it doesn't seem like a virtual ex- screen. It seems like it's part of the environment.
0: Yeah. So I would totally sit and watch an entire movie here. Um, I don't know a lot of people who have an Apple vision pro right now, but one thing that's surprising to me is there's really no social features yet. There's no easy way for me and, you know, Kristen, to both be in Joshua tree at the same time, watching the same movie you can do share play and kind of sync up, but then you don't really have the sense that you're there with each other. Um, So I'm surprised there's no, you know, like we have the personas, which I'll show in a second, but there's never an instance where it's like, Oh yeah. um, Kristen is sitting on my chair in my office right now or, or any kind of syncing like that.
1: Yeah. That's surprising. And not even with FaceTime you're saying.
0: Yeah, correct. Not even with FaceTime. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so speaking of all that, let me go ahead and demonstrate briefly um what the persona's look like. Keep moving exactly. Right. Yeah. And you're out of the way. Uh what do I get here? That's my Slack. This is my browser. Um so if I wanted to, I could start to, you know, move my different tabs out of the way. Um I can pull this up. And I can do this by the way with um with Siri. So I uh, don't no, 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 no. Um I could say uh hey Siri, Open settings. There they are. It's over here. Should have opened right in front of me. Um, But if I scroll down here to uh, Persona, you'll see a little bit of what I look like here. So um, this was a little thing that I had to do where I took off the Apple Vision Pro and I scanned my own face. Um, It has you do. I'll just walk you through very quickly. I had to look left, look right, look up, look down, uh, do a closed mouth smile, and then a, a big, like teethy smile, like, eee! and then they have you like move your eyebrows up and down. And as someone who has very expressive eyebrows, um, I am happy with that part there because yeah. that's something that I miss out on sometimes with like meta humans and live link face. Um, but you know, there is something a little bit
1: off about this, uh, particular representation. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, Jacob? Well, I, I think you look really, really grumpy. Uh, I, I don't, you don't, yeah, it. it, it well, a, a, you know, I, I don't think it captures the, the, the hair, but I, <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen a single case where it does, which makes sense. That's just so tricky to, to get right. Um, yeah. Curly hair in particular, it has a lot of trouble with. Yeah. But yeah, you just look upset or a little insane. You, you know who you look like? Um, who's the comedian? Um, uh, George Curling. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Oh, man, i I going to think about it.
0: So what I've heard so far is I look like uh, a founding father, uh, the Quaker Oats <laughs> guy, someone from Harry Potter, Jack Nicholson from The Shining. <laughs> um, I, and the, the thing about me looking more grumpy, part of that, I think, has to do with the fact that when I scanned the persona, it's maybe a little bit hard to see this, but there's a lot of red around my face. And what had happened was I'd already been wearing the headset for three or four hours, and I took it off. And I had all these red marks on my face, and that's what came into the scan. So it's actually getting a pretty robust texture of your face, um, which is great if you've got, like, you know, particular beauty spots or or, um, moles or whatever that are very distinct about how you look. Um, And it's very interesting to me that all that red came into this persona.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So it just looks like you're flushed, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I realize who it is. And I think if you turn your hair red, you look like uh, uh, Louis C.K. (laughs)
0: <laughs> <Okay>. all right <laughs> it's also right. funny too that you can see the the sweater that i was wearing when i did the scan so the fact that it even captures yeah, um some clothes And I'm sure there's going to be like a a boutique industry of like salons or something where you can get like a very particular, you know, makeup, clothing, whatever, that is all about preparing you to look your absolute best for when you capture your persona. And then you can just, you know, let all this go to crap and then you'll just be a virtual avatar of yourself for the rest of your life. Cool.
1: I'm very curious what they use to do this. Mm. Um, So I, and this is a good unreal moment. Um, because the, the way that something like MetaHuman, for example, mm-hmm. works is that they have a model that encapsulates all of the different uh, uh, features in a dynamic kind of fluid space. So, like, they have a range between, you know, uh, 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 different eye widths and, man, I can't remember the term that, that was used uh, uh, last GDC uh, when... One of the uh, IPD sort of or there. no, no, they they have a, a, a specific word for like, they create a continuous space where a point, uh, you know, anywhere within that, like three or it's like multidimensional space represents a, a unique human, that DNA. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm assuming this is using something more traditional with photogrammetry or probably Nerf's. Um, some sort of like 3D capture instead of specifically trying to map facial characteristics into an existing model of human representation, right? Um, particularly when we start talking about the stuff you're talking about, like specific texture capture, the fact that it picks yeah. up like what you were wearing and all that, um, I think is pretty fascinating. Um, and I also have to believe that when they started developing this, Like, a lot's changed since, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) This, like, this technology in particular has come so far just in the last six months um, that I I have a lot of confidence that this is going to get better.
0: Oh, for sure. This is the worst it'll ever be. So, you know, there's definitely some uncanny valley right now, but I feel like, climbing out of that in valley isn't too far away and you know they did they did slap the the beta logo on here because i think they want to make sure people know they don't think this is done yet
1: <laughs> yeah supposedly and there's there was an update for apple vision pro like today and if you recapture yeah. it looks a little better but oh good um
0: yeah so maybe next week i'll show yeah because I, I do see there's a software update available for me um so maybe next week i'll do a brief like update of what my persona looks like then
1: yeah, that I I think regardless like I saw I I saw so many people trashing this. Oh, yeah. it it was quite, kind of funny because it was a mix of people who were like I don't look like this and it clearly looked like them. Um, <laughs> like it 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 was spot on and I guess people mm-hmm. just weren't used to looking at themselves in this uncanny valley uh kind of scenario. You you know we're yeah. probably used to it. Honestly, wouldn't metahuman um, oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But uh, I think a lot of people just aren't used to seeing themselves that way. And then some which did legitimately look odd. And honestly, yeah, and you, you just look upset, man. I, I don't know how to yeah. put it. <laughs> no. I
0: mean, I I was definitely tired when I did the capture. So there's something really interesting about that. It is um, interesting that up- it picks up. You know, like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah lot, like some of that came through. It's uh, it's like my resting face now. It's just like, you know, a little bit grumpy and tired. Um, <laughs> something that I think is going to. Oh, and for, I should mention as well that however anyone feels about seeing this in a flat 2D context, um, it does feel better. Same way I tell people like you have to see metahumans in VR, um, seeing other people in a, in a 3D context with these like over a FaceTime call uh, looks much, much better. And I did get to do a call with um, Ian Hamilton and Oz, who made um, Puzzling Places, Ian Hamilton's from Upload VR. And I really felt like I was talking to both of them. These are two people who I've met in real life before, and their avatars did not feel particularly uncanny to me. The only thing I kept noticing, of course, was that Ian Hamilton's glasses were very much like cartoon glasses that you get to select after you do your scan. They don't show up as part of the scan, so you select later um, some kind of eyewear. But I do think this is on the right track for all the, the trashing people are giving it. Um, and I really look forward to an opportunity where this actually becomes an avatar that you can export as an FBX or whatever, because I'd love to do a side-by-side comparison of like, yeah, metahumans, this, you know, I, I, I assume that meta is going to be pushing harder on the codec avatars now, because that's their equivalent to something like this. So I, I'd love to do a side-by-side, yeah, personas, metahumans, codec avatars, who comes out the winner.
1: I th- it's kind of interesting, because in theory, at some point, you're going to want one identity for probably... Mm-hmm all these platforms that's that's right. what ready player is trying to do that's and that's the metaverse man um <laughs> but yeah i do think that's interesting uh kind of maybe who will win out so to speak in in this uh but honestly i i'm impressed with this as a first try and, and yeah. all the people who are saying this looks like a ps2 character like man <laughs> they could not have been born you know uh, before the year 2000 because they don't even know what a PS2 is. Yeah, like this, this looks this looks great, uh, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Uh, I, I think there was a lot of unfair judgment there. Sure.
0: Um, a couple more things I wanted to point out real quick. So I mentioned that it feels really weird um, sometimes to go totally immersive. So while I was watching uh, HBO the other night, I pulled up, there's a bunch of stuff on Apple Arcade, so Jetpack Joyride. I was like, ah, oh, let's see what the Apple Vision Pro version of Jetpack Joyride looks like. And I thought, oh, this is great. Yeah, I'm going to put HBO like right above me and then I'll play it right down here. But um, when I press start, it becomes an entirely immersive experience, as you'll see in a second, which I was a little disappointed by because I was like, oh, but but I wanted to watch HBO. <laughs> and so, you know, they've got this cool environment and I'm like very impressed. Like this feels like job simulator. Um, you know, there's all these fun little things you can interact with. Um, shake it, shake the cup, whatever. And there's a play button here. Um but, yeah, daily reward, whatever. But it's like, okay, I, don't, I want this to be a casual game. I don't want this taking up my entire environment um, as cool as all these little things are. Um, and so, you know, this is not a game that should require full immersivity. It's, it's the simplest thing in the world to just squeeze my fingers and pinch. So I want to be able to do this while other things are going on. And when I started playing this the other night, I just became so abundantly aware of the fact that uh, I want most of my, my things to be multi-planar experiences i want to have all these different things going on around me at any time something's like no you're just going to focus on me um i feel a little bit bothered by that interesting
1: yeah because that's, yeah. that's i mean that that is fundamentally different between this and the most headsets and it's exactly. maybe the biggest difference right
0: yeah Um, Also show encounter dinosaurs real quick. Now, this one, it's interesting because it does make everything else go away. But I guess I was less bothered by it because it is actively trying to use um, your real space. And so, you know, this is very much trying to do a mixed reality thing where you feel like these dinosaurs are, you know, in the room with you. And I guess for whatever reason, I, I'm still I'm like, oh, I'd like the option of other things going on. Um, but of course, this really is a better example of something that maybe does demand your full attention and you wouldn't necessarily be wanting to watch a movie um, while this is happening. capture dinosaurs. Du, 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 du. You are too close to an obstacle. Continue anyway. Yeah. So it's like they know they know that my wall is like right in front of me and it should be a little <laughs> bit further away. Um, but there's this cool moment with the butterfly. And yeah, we'll just let this play in the background and, and let's just keep uh keep chatting.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh I oh, look at that. So the butterfly just landed on his finger. It's pretty cool. I still think uh we gotta see haptics with this. I wanna see I've heard people say that when you put like AirPods, for example, in, it still plays over the the inductive speakers. Yeah, I um, mean, that that can be pretty, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, th- this does seem like a a generation one device, but the software just seems so compelling. Do you want to talk a little bit about the physical, the hardware aspects of this? Yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. I've had this on
0: for a bit. Um, I do think that uh, the third-party straps are going to be way better. Uh, It came with two. This is the kind of single loop band that goes around the back of my head. And then there's a dual loop band that also goes over the top of my head. And neither of them feel great. Uh, I'd say the sides of my face feel like a little bit itchy right now. Um, I wish there was like a leather version of this instead of cloth. Uh, There's some light leakage just by the fact that this is kind of a mesh material um, and then there's fans going on inside that are actually kind of drying out my eyes. So, you know, I'm excited for some other things that might, uh, make this feel a little bit better. Um, uh, because I, I am wearing this for hours at a time now, um, because, you know, I've got all my windows around me and I'm being productive and I'm getting into kind of a flow state. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't love it. I don't love wearing it for more than like
1: 30 minutes at a time. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> Yeah, so when I kind of first picked up the device, like, it it felt heavy. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I kind of realized that it probably, you know, you pick up a Quest, you don't really think about how heavy it is because it's plastic and because the materials feel less premium. Yeah, Uh, right. But something about the fact that they did, you know, include a... A metal frame and all these other materials in the headset actually, I think, makes it "quote unquote" feel heavier um, than it would otherwise, um, especially just when you're holding it in your hands. Now, putting it on, um, especially because it took me a minute to—I I was just kind of going for it, it. Took me a minute to figure out the adjustment um, and, and get it tight enough. But in the, like, maybe 30 seconds to minute that I was sitting on my head and not quite tight enough, like, my neck got noticeably sore in, in that time. Yeah, um, sure. And I, I saw an interesting take on this from um, MKBHD, very popular tech YouTuber.
0: Oh, yeah, um, sure.
1: Describing, you know, that maybe this was a decision because it it's just, to be perfectly honest, way sexier than <laughs> most <laughs> VR headsets. You know, uh, headbands and straps and stuff like that. And I think that's certainly true. Like this has a very iconic design to it. Um, but I think they're playing a game here with public perception of the device that oh, yeah. they're good at playing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they're just kind of relying on third parties and consumers, just like you would buy like a case for your phone or like to supply more personalized options, uh, for this down the road. Um, yeah, I, I it doesn't like the, the, the battery life, I, I feel like it is tricky to to justify. And can you describe how you charge the device at night? Like
0: <laughs> awkwardly? Um, yeah, it, it does come with a, a charging cable for the battery. And so you can plug it in and it takes, you know, a few hours to charge. I did buy an extra battery pack. um, So I've got two of them. Uh, But then you can also do a thing where you actually just keep um, your computer plugged into the battery pack as well. So it's just kind of always getting the charge from there because the battery pack is a little USB-C. I've also seen people who are trying to wear this thing like all day, uh, daisy chain like this to other battery packs. So, you know, then they never need to plug into an actual outlet anywhere um so this you know this definitely feels like i've I've referred to it as a vestigial organ like a thing that doesn't really want to be here but if you have pockets you can put it in pockets if you're wearing a dress or something like that you almost need a purse or something to keep it in um i do end up like hitting the cord by accident sometimes luckily it doesn't unplug because of this one thing that's annoying is that if you want to switch batteries um if i take this off it immediately shuts down i assumed there'd be like i don't know at least a minute of kind of like standby time in here to give you a chance to swap over to another battery. Um, But no, that's like a complete shutdown. So that's a little frustrating sometimes. Um, But I think maybe what they're assuming people are going to be doing more is just plugging in directly to the battery pack you already have. Um, But yeah, the battery life is like two and a half to three hours, depending on what I'm using it for. Um, It does do a pretty good job of warning you 20%, 10%, 5%, just like an iPhone
1: or anything else would. Yeah. And I have to imagine there came a decision about, um, cause I, 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 like you said, thought there was a small battery in the device at least.
0: Uh, there has to be though, at, at least to like
1: keep your settings and everything. Right. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, most like, uh, uh, like flash memory, like, like maybe there there's usually enough residual power in the device to like, dump memory, uh, I don't even know if there is like separate memory on this device or if it's all just one shared memory pool and storage. Um, Who knows? Um, But yeah, it's a bit, uh, that's a bit strange. And I have to imagine part of the the debate must have been whether, especially given how heavy it is on the front of the device, whether they were going to ship with a battery attached to the back of the headband which would make it so that you could not, you know, switch out the headband as easily or if they were going to do this and this seems like a big compromise for Apple. Oh yeah, for sure. A huge Yeah,
0: you compromise. can tell you can tell that there's a bunch of things here that they probably were not fully happy with but at a certain point someone just had to put their foot down and say like we got to ship this thing. It's yeah. been 7 years of development or however long it's been.
1: Yeah, like you have to imagine this was like a development unit and had an external battery because they're figuring out how they're going to fit it in or where they were going to attach it. And they just, something didn't work out. Um, Yeah, exactly. It's also, it's just not a very big battery either. No, no, it's not big at all. Like, how much does it weigh, you think? Uh, I don't know. A little over a pound, maybe. Maybe a pound and a half.
0: And by the way, I'm just messing around in the Polycam app where it's very easy to grab uh, 3D models and put them into your space. But again, I wouldn't do this too much because it's not persistent. They're not going to stay there. So I certainly don't want to do anything uh, decorative and I don't want to set anything up for like design review because no one can see it anyway. But it is kind of cool to just see how quickly I can grab something and then, you know, start to inspect it and get a sense of the detail. Um, I have had this crash a few times too. Like, I've I've been literally in the middle of something, and then the whole app, the whole uh, headset, just shuts down, which is frustrating, especially if you are in the middle of like typing something and you've got your windows all pulled up. Um, none of that has any kind of like draft mode that saves. Um, so it's just all gone, and you have to do it all over again.
1: All right, so we're coming up on uh, you know, hour twenty. Seven <laughs> <here>. hours, about <laughs> an hour twenty. <laughs> right. What, what's, what's your takeaways? What are, what are the, the five things you love about this? What are, what are the five things you really want to see improved? And then for our, our listeners out there who are maybe interested in developing on this device, what, what are your recommendations?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I love how consistent the hand and eye tracking is. That's what they needed to get right. Um, that plus how easy it is to yeah move screens around, uh, close screens, um, change the, the scale of different screens. They've done a tremendous job with all of that. And just the fact that I can move around my space and it never feels like anything is stuttering or messing with my head too much. Like I haven't felt sick of this device at all, which is great. Um, I also like the panoramas, just the effect of being able to (laughs) look around. Yeah. Spatial videos, panoramas, these all feel, um, fantastic in the device and for me, the, the spatial videos and the panoramas really hit as, as what I think the killer use for this app is going to be, because right now, this is a remarkable individual productivity tool. I can get so much done throwing my screen and my windows and my apps all around me and having kind of this incredible um, operating station for all the things that I uh, want to do where this is going to really sing is where it is less isolating. And Tim cook was very upfront years ago saying the reason he didn't like VR was because of how isolating it could be. And for the moment, this is still pretty isolating. Eyesight does not work yet. Well, the the personas are supposed to give some eyes on the front of here where you feel like you're still looking at me and talking to me. Uh, Everyone I've shown that to just thinks it's really creepy and they prefer it was just off. Um, But as soon as we start to feel more connected, particularly to other people who are also wearing the Apple Vision Pro or God forbid, you know, other VR headsets, MetaQuest and Vive and all that, that's where it's going to be really amazing. I mentioned the example of like, I would like to sit in some of these environments with other people and watch a movie or go through a presentation or look at a 3D model together um, or, you know, just hang out like a, a FaceTime call that isn't just floating personas and screens, but like it actually kind of feels like other people are in here with me like a proper social VR experience. That's where this really starts to become amazing, where it's less isolating and more connective to all of us. So I want persistence, I want socialness, I want occlusion, I want the ability to show people how to do things using this. If that doesn't like, it's the classic thing where it's like, if I need help fixing a sink, like I want someone to be able to put on an Apple vision pro and I want to be able to like, see their virtual hands helping to walk me through, like how I'm going to fix my sink. That's like an example where like, I call my dad for some of the stuff. Like he's much more of a handyman than I am. And rather than him just explaining things to me over like a FaceTime video to actually have like more engagement where there's some sense like he kind of understands where the parts are and he can actually like point to this screwdriver and this wrench and all that stuff. Um, that's kind of exciting to me. The, the uh, one way to call one way to put it is a sort of like digital teleportation where you really feel like you have a, a sense of presence with other people who are not actually there with you, but by God, your brain basically feels like they are. Because I'm never going to get anyone in my family and most of my friends to do anything meaningful with me in a VR headset. Um, that's why I have like a very specific friend group of people who do do that. And it's called XR Social Club and it meets every Monday night in PR chat. But um, something like this in a couple generations, I think really could get there. Where the same way I know a lot of people with iPhones, I might start to know a lot of people with these headsets. And we're going to be able to do a lot of different fun things together in a way that feels meaningful and, you know, long lasting, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think that's great. So, what are yeah. the. The biggest improvements
0: uh the biggest improvements i want are yeah anything on the social side for sure um i definitely need the comfort improved but i think that's going to come from third parties i honestly like i wouldn't mm-hmm. mind having this all like wrapped up and to have it sitting on the back i think that would actually help with the weight distribution mm-hmm. and take some of the pressure off my cheeks and nose and forehead um which is why i still think the meta pro is probably the most comfortable headset um that i've tried so far um i want a, a better developer ecosystem we haven't talked much about unreal engine and all that but uh, obviously it's very complicated to try to develop this for unreal but even unity who's had like a much closer connection to um everyone at apple it's still really complicated in unity to build things for this as well uh godot got uh, a first version working today which was kind of cool by the way this was me trying to do Um, (laughs) the VR template and uh, all I get is this message of like unable to install it, even though the app is like right there and it says it's downloadable from the cloud. Uh, Of course, Apple's pushing for like Xcode and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I was able to do a very simple Xcode experience that goes from a panel to a more um, immersive space. So that's all fun. Uh, So I'm I'm probably going to be learning some more Xcode and some more Swift, but yeah, I want the development environment to get better. I want to feel like, this really is a proper developer kit because I'm telling everyone this is a developer kit. Um, but it doesn't really feel like that yet because I don't have an easy way to develop on it. Uh, and I'd love, you know, I mean, just to put it out there, I'd love for Apple to just be a little bit friendlier with things like the pricing of, you know, the cut they take from app stores and all these things that Epic's been fighting. Um, I'd love to see a little bit of an evolution of that over time where people, don't feel like they're being strong armed into being in like the vision pro app store, but like they gen- genuinely want to be there and it's an exciting place to be and they can reach a new audience and they're not worried about <laughs> actually taking a loss
1: on uh, putting something out there into the world. Yeah. I think that's great feedback. Well, let's, you know, what's, what's your recommendation for our listeners? Should, should they go out and grab one of these for, you know, you know, The big app they want to develop or I mean, you kind of touched on this uh, with developer experience, but what's your takeaway here?
0: Yeah, uh, I I would say that if you have an idea for an Apple Vision Pro, um, it is definitely worth getting one to develop with. You're going to have a much easier time with a MacBook Pro. Um, versus something else. Oh, hi, Crunchyroll. See, I, I opened that by accident because I guess a uh, gesture was detected when I was uh, holding the battery. Um, you know, like Kent Bai does not have a lot of Apple products. And he mentioned how it's been really difficult for him to feel the productivity use cases of the Apple Vision Pro because of the fact that it really does want you to be using this with a MacBook, with an iPhone, with I'm sure soon an Apple Watch, even though this has no pairing with this whatsoever yet. Um so, yeah, if you're already in the Apple ecosystem, if you have a good app idea, if you if you you or your company can afford the four thousand plus dollars after tax to get this device, uh, get one, get one and mess around with it, because I do think this is here to stay. Um, but if you are like, I, I just want some big screens around me, like just go buy a couple big screens, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing this stuff with all the big screens and I definitely feel the productivity of it because it's it's something that I'm used to. I'm used to being in headsets all day. For someone who really likes the productivity capabilities of this, but has not spent a lot of time in headsets, it's probably going to be the kind of thing where they end up with headaches and their face feels really sweaty and awkward and it's not going to be a great experience for them so for 99 percent of the population i'd say wait wait for gen 2 gen 3 uh, but for 100 percent of the population i would say if you can go to an apple store and get a free demo i'm so glad that they're giving demos for this and this it sounds like they're doing such a better job of it than any other headset manufacturer has ever done so there's a lot of opportunities to um really understand the direction apple's going with this and just you know because all the uh the geniuses of the genius bar they have a script of like exactly what they're supposed to say and exactly what they're supposed to show you so it's also a good little peek behind the curtain of what apple wants you to think about with this device versus you know i mentioned getting the device in the mail and putting it on and having like no tutorial um i was really left to my own devices no pun intended to decide what i thought this was good for but um
1: apple's perspective on it i think is a useful one yeah i think that's interesting and and i even having tried it I, I think I will go to an Apple store and make even if there's a line and, and give it a shot for that reason because I'm kind of curious how Apple is presenting this and how they're making it a part of their kind of a, a store experience as well something they're so famous for um, yeah I for me my my takeaways from you know a, a week now of, of watching coverage of this and and you know having a short experience with it um, like, uh, do I feel the FOMO? Yes, a little bit, for sure, 100%. Um, do I think, though, that, um, like, this is, like, I I, I guess what people want to know is, and, and I'm sure their investors want to know is, is this an iPhone moment, right? Like, is this the big, man, everything else is is just a BlackBerry from a you know, from here on out. Um, and I think that to some extent, uh, actually to a big extent, I, I do think the answer is yes with this. Um, not because of certainly not because of, you know, not because they, they've aced everything here, um, or even aced the majority of things the things they really needed to get right. I, I've never heard so many people say to me that they are getting stuff done in a VR headset. Yeah. <laughs> that, sure. that is huge. Right. Um, I, I remember the days with, with flip phones where you, you know, the, the best you could do is phone calls. You could text slowly and then everything else with that device was pretty much useless right yeah um a camera everything right and i think iphone showed us that we could have a device that could continue to grow and develop you know after we bought it you know we and, and we see this nowadays with things like cars over there are updates my, my car gets updates and all of a sudden has new features right and like this is this is the world kind of apple invented to be honest Um, Yeah. And the fact that we can sit back and have a device like this, that people feel that they can genuinely be productive in Mm -hmm. that they would generally prefer over, um, you know, sitting on their couch watching TV because they don't have to get up. They don't have, it's not a pain to use. It's casual. It, it fits into people's everyday lives. Um, or if it doesn't today, you know, Gen 2, better battery, a little more comfortable. It will, right? Um, so, you know, for, from my perspective, I, 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 I'm I, excited for Apple, uh, excited for all the the folks who are working at Apple who have put so much time and effort into this device, because um, I think we both know that this has been a long, long time coming. Um, so... Like, do I think this is an iPhone moment? Maybe. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it could be. Uh, I, I would not. Yeah, let, let's say 80%, 90%, right? And that is, that is a huge thing um, for, for Apple, for the AR VR space, for developers in this ecosystem. Like now is a great time to become a, a developer in XR. Um, and I think that's, that's a great thing. So that's, that's my takeaway.
0: Yeah. Well put. Yeah. I think a lot of us are going to look back at this as a, as a really seminal moment, maybe, maybe not as big as like the iPhone moment, but, uh, I think Apple is buying into this world of XR spatial computing, whatever, in a really big way. And by the way, I was kind of frustrated about them like not wanting to use terms like vr ar xr and to insist on something like spatial computing which i hadn't heard much except from companies like magic leap in the past but i do understand why they're using that now because it is first and foremost a computer this is not a gaming device i'm not going to play beat saber on this um as i mentioned a lot of times when games go too immersive it feels like i'm not using the device to its full potential um for now this is productivity and hopefully soon it's going to be social and it does feel like it's doing something quite different from the other devices out there, you know? So Apple has, uh, has once again done that thing where they are standing on the shoulders of everyone who's done things before them, but they're doing it in, in many ways, a more refined and more, uh, UX design oriented way. And it's, it's working, it's working far better than I actually anticipated it would.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's the best compliment you could give. <laughs> uh, it's working way better than you thought it would. Um, yeah yeah also it comes
0: with a little cozy so when you want to put it to bed, you like <laughs> it's like very very cute. It's got its own little like I mean it feels like the kind of um eye mask some people would put on yeah, is, but... <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, man well, I think this has been a fun episode i I mean we we've now have f- had a few episodes leading up to this uh, and so it's exciting that it's out in the world. And we'll just have to sit back and see what happens.
0: Yeah, really excited for potential um, Unreal Engine experiences on here, even if they're just fully VR at first. Oh, and it is also worth mentioning that um, some folks got ALVR working on the device as well. So ALVR is kind of like like a virtual desktop, you know, Steam VR kind of thing. And so they were able to connect that and something to do with like the Index controllers or finger tracking emulating the index controllers. So anyone who really wants to try out, uh, steam VR experiences, um, using the Apple vision pro, give that a try. I actually haven't been able to do it yet.
1: Yeah. It's only time. There's some creative people out there. Make sure. Uh, with that, maybe we'll, we'll wrap things up here. Uh, if you, if you stayed and listened till this point, make sure you like rate, comment, subscribe, Mm -hmm. everything everywhere, all at once um don't don't copyright strike me for saying that um <laughs> but uh we'll see you in unreal fest this year uh, as we get more information about the events and, and about the talks i'm sure we'll get more into it and certainly coming up soon we'll hopefully get a chance to talk about the next release of unreal uh when we get a road roadmap um so any any closing thoughts here alex
0: um, no, just, uh, thanks to, uh, Ready. as you might've noticed, we're in a lovely new studio today. So, you know, they're doing great work over at light twist. Thanks to Alan, um, dealing with the copyright bananas hoops. We had to jump through with the last episode with Apple, just because Jacob and I wanted to talk over one of their videos, uh, was nuts. And, and Alan went through like nine different versions of that video to get it past the robots that were like copyright strike, copyright strike. So, uh, thanks to Alan as our producer for all that he does. And yeah, excited to, uh, to keep seeing where the space goes and uh, great, great chatting with you, Jacob. Uh, Good to- as always.
1: <laughs> we'll catch you next time.
0: Bye everyone.